Welcome to Weather Jazz, a world audience podcast about anything and everything weather, science, earth science, and periodically some interesting off-topic episodes that, for no other reason, your host finds interesting. I am your host and the creator of the Weather Jazz podcast, Andre Bernier. I'm the senior meteorologist on staff with WJW Television in Cleveland, Ohio, a position I've enjoyed for over three decades. In just a moment, we'll explore today's topic. You can find and listen to this podcast via any podcast app by searching for Weather Jazz, one word. Every episode is also available via the website weatherjazz.com, which is also where you'll find any accompanying information and links to which I may make reference. This is episode number 71 for Wednesday, May 1st, a brand new month, and we're in 2019. Hi, everybody. Uh, We're putting April away uh, on a, certainly in a very interesting note, let's take a look at April before we essentially put it to bed and go on with a listener question tonight which came into us via the Weather Jazz hotline. And I'll give you the Weather Jazz hotline number at the end of the program in case you have a question or a comment that you'd like to offer. Uh, But first, let's deal with April. April was a very interesting month in the sense that the first 18 days were extremely dry. Very, very little precipitation actually fell. The ground started uh, really getting uh, quite uh, solid and dry, and that's very atypical at this time of year because in, in April, a lot of those showers start to fall and people have trouble mowing their lawn. Well, that's what they're having trouble doing now. What happened? Well, we were in a pattern that was somewhat cool and dry until the 18th of April. That's when a stationary boundary uh, essentially got set up across the Ohio Valley. Sometimes we were on the cool side, sometimes we were on the warm side, but the very fact that that boundary stayed in place for well over a week, week and a half, and uh, we're seeing ripples of low pressure along that stationary boundary, occasionally giving us showers, we very, very quickly went from a deficit, and we're going to put that graphic up on weatherjazz.com for those of you that would like to see that. And you're going to see the increasing dryness up until the 18th, and then all of a sudden we make it up in about 10 days coverage, and we're in surplus. We ended up the month at half an inch above normal at Hopkins Airport. And for the month of April, in terms of temperature, not too far from normal, just a hair above statistical average. And that's plus or minus 2 degrees. We actually ended up at plus 2.4 degrees. So just a little above what we would consider a normal April. What are we looking at for the month of May? Uh, Well, for the next 15 days or so, or for approximately two weeks or so, That stationary boundary is going to be kind of toying with the Ohio Valley a lot. And so it appears as though we'll probably stay on the wet side, wetter than normal, for the first 15 days. And temperature-wise, probably on the slightly cooler than normal side. Uh, Of course, that could 
changed by simple caveat of exactly where that stationary boundary spends the most time. If it spends the most time in Michigan, we'll be on the warm side, just just like today, where we had a high temperature of 83 degrees. And if it stays in southern Ohio or in Kentucky or in West Virginia, we'll be mostly on the cool side. So, And right overhead, we could end up near normal. So we'll keep that as a, as a potential scenario as we look at the next uh, two weeks or so. Well, I promised a listener question, and we have a very good one from Medina. And we're going to go to Elaine Doyle now, and here is her question from the Weather Jazz Hotline. Yes, good morning, Andre. My name is Elaine Doyle, and I am in Medina. And uh, I was wondering if there's anything or any indication or if anybody's working on some kind of future situation where the weather can be controlled so we don't have the hurricanes coming in land and be nice if we could resolve them out in the ocean and that kind of thing. Thank you so much for your time. Bye. And certainly that is a very, very good question. And uh, we're going to try to uh, kind of summarize everything that has gone on, at least in uh, recent history, in terms of meteorology. Because uh, really, before we got to the uh, 1930s and 40s, uh, weather modification was really more in mythology. uh, But um, it was certainly given some serious consideration in the recent 50-year period. So... With that, let's take a look at the most famous way that uh, weather modification takes place, or at least has been attempted. And uh, most people have heard of cloud seeding, and that is where they actually fly airplanes into large uh, cumulus clouds or even clouds that are already producing rain showers, and they actually spray silver iodide into the cloud. And the theory was, um, first of all, you need a nucleus around which raindrops form. And if the air is very clean, you don't have very many uh, nuclei. If by introducing the silver iodide, which is a, a fairly benign substance, but it has a, a particulate value, if you will, it can be a nucleus. And if you spray a whole bunch of this into a cloud, maybe the uh, moisture in the cloud will start congealing and start coalescing, coming together in other words, and you'll get more rain. Uh, And that would benefit some farmers that are trying to get more rain onto their crops. Uh, There was another theory too, and that it would produce less hail. And the theory there is that if you put Um, silver iodide into a growing thunderstorm that has the potential to start producing hail because it goes way up into the atmosphere into the very cold air it's like a it's like a uh, uh, an ice cube factory if you will it goes up it produces a little bit of ice comes down collects more water sends back up on the updraft until this piece of ice gets so heavy the updraft can no longer keep it up And so you get these uh, large chunks of hail. And unfortunately, in the Midwest and in the uh, front range of the Rockies, uh, this was really problematic. It would really destroy and produce a lot of damage to crops. So they were looking for ways to kind of mitigate that. And one way is by cloud seeding. And how does it do that? Well, if you introduce um, far more particulates into the cloud, the hail will have a uh, you'll have more hail first of all more targets 
but uh, that means uh, you would have smaller hail because you'd have more of the smaller hail instead of uh, smaller columns of large hail. Did that work? Uh, it really was inconclusive. Uh, there are some suggestions that in some particular cases it may have worked, while in others it did not. And in some cases, uh, there might even be a few instances uh, that uh, uh, it was said that it actually exacerbated the situation. It made it worse, not better. So uh, really, essentially, all of this was inconclusive. And uh, I'm going to draw... Uh, at the end of this, a final summary. And uh, so I want you to keep this one particular one in mind, the cloud seeding. Okay, let's talk about weather modification in warfare. Was ever there an attempt to use weather modification in uh, modern-day warfare? And the answer is yes. It was a very top-secret uh, operation back in the 1960s and early 70s, 1967 to 1972. It was something called Operation Popeye, and it was something that the U.S. tried to use, again, using cloud seeding, the same concept that we just talked about, except that they were trying to use cloud seeding to prolong the rainy season in Vietnam, <clears throat> and this would have uh, produced some kind of uh, weather advantage for the United States and the Allies fighting the war in Vietnam. Did it work? Again, inconclusive. Uh, by the way, since then, the UN has banned weather modification for warfare back in 1977. So uh, by the UN uh, convention, uh, nobody is supposed to even think about even trying to do weather modification for a warfare. Would it work anyway? We'll get to the bottom line at the end in just a second. All right. Uh, Elaine had a question about uh, tropical storms and hurricanes, and that brings me to uh, something called Project Storm Fury. And uh, this was a project that was ongoing from uh, NOAA and the National Weather Service and various government agencies from 1962 all the way to 1983. Uh, we're constantly trying to figure out ways to lessen or weaken tropical systems before they hit the United States. So that certainly is a worthy uh, cause to at least attempt. However, all of the uh, methods that were used, and most of it was really cloud seeding or enhanced cloud seeding to try to dissipate the energy uh, before it had the uh, chance to, to gather steam and strength. Uh, really, the, for that entire 20-year period, the entire project produced inconclusive results. And that really brings me to uh, the biggest issue is the energy enormity of weather systems in general. When you consider just exactly how much energy is involved in uh, just a simple weather system, a simple random shower, uh, I think most people would be surprised uh, at how much energy would be required to even make a dent in uh, trying to change its course or try to change how much precipitation fell out of it or how much total energy that it had. 
And so when you take that small cumulus rain shower, and then you're, you're talking about uh, things like tropical storms and hurricanes, the amount of energy is almost incomprehensible uh, in terms of what uh, a typical standard-sized tropical storm or hurricane is capable of, of, of producing, the energy that it has, the latent energy that it has. And so anything that we could uh, introduce into the system, into the system called a tropical storm or a hurricane, would be, uh, I, and I would liken it as such, like throwing a handful of sand onto Waikiki Beach and then stepping back three miles and saying, look at the difference that I made. Uh, that's the kind of comparison we're making. There is absolutely nothing that we can even do to uh, mitigate the energy in a tropical storm or a hurricane. Now, will somebody, up, uh, somebody else come up with an idea that might work? I'm not saying that they won't. But it would be extremely difficult uh, because of the enormity of uh, the energy involved in a weather system like a tropical storm and a hurricane. Uh, one other person suggested, well, why not throw a nuclear bomb into the eye of a hurricane? Wouldn't that blow it apart? And the best answer to that is... Um, is that you would make the situation worse, and here's why. If you dropped a, an atomic bomb in the eye of a hurricane and it went off, now you would have a giant radioactive hurricane. <laughs> you really would. You would have done nothing to miti mitigate the energy in the hurricane, and <clears throat> instead you'd be introducing all kinds of radiation uh, into this system that is far more energetic, far more energetic than uh, many atomic bombs going off in the eye of the hurricane. Uh, so, uh, again, we get back to just the, the immense enormity of the atmosphere, and uh, we would have to uh, just do some really crazy things to even start putting a dent into... Uh, changing the weather or modifying the weather, even for good in this particular case. Again, that's not to say that somewhere down the line we might not have some success with something that uh, one of us hasn't thought of yet, uh, but that's just not the case at this point in time. Elaine, that was a wonderful, wonderful question, and I appreciate that very much, and I hope we have a whole lot more of these questions that come in on our Weather Jazz hotline. Let me give you that hotline number right now. If you have a suggestion, a question, or a comment, perhaps, about a previous uh, program, and you'd just like to, uh, to say hello, we would love that, too. Here is the number, 330-236- 3333. Again, that number is 330-236-3333. And you'll hear my voice, and you'll hear a set of directions, and then the beep tone. And then, of course, that's when uh, I send it off to you, and uh, you can give me your question, your comment, or whatever is on your mind. I hope you enjoyed this one, and we'll have a new episode coming up real soon right here on Weather Jazz. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast today. 
And if you're listening via a mobile podcast app such as Breaker, Overcast, Google Podcast, or iTunes, among the many that are out there, remember to subscribe to Weather Jazz so that you'll automatically download the new episodes as I am able to upload them. And please take a moment to offer a review, and every single one of those reviews helps to get the word out. If you'd like to contact me with a question, a comment, or a program idea, I look forward to hearing from you. The best and the fastest method is via email. My email address is simply weatherjazz at yahoo.com. WeatherJazz and weatherjazz.com is copyrighted, and the WeatherJazz signature is a registered trademark, all rights reserved. I look forward to being with you soon with a brand new episode right here on WeatherJazz.